This is episode 249 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Controlling Compound Financial. They are real estate investors assisting other real estate investors to implement the infinite banking strategy. To learn more about how this can help investors like you, visit controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have James Fernandez on for round three. James is a super interesting guy for those of you who have not already witnessed his story. So he's an engineer by trade. And this guy's just a go-getter. He's wicked smart. And he's an absolute pleasure to speak with. Uh, James and I get along great. And uh, we dug into some interesting uh, details in this episode. We dug into what he's doing with self-storage, both in Canada and the US. We uh, we went over a specific angle that he has with his self-storage storage that's allowed him to come into some pretty incredible cash flow. Uh, and I, I make a point of pointing out every time I hear an exceptionally profitable strategy, and this is one of them. So uh, this is worth taking note of. I, I'm a big fan of self-storage and always have been. I have several friends doing it. And uh, in this episode, you're going to see uh, what's possible and how quickly you can, you can turn around funds in this strategy. So um, as always, I just want to ask you that if you're enjoying this episode and if you're enjoying this show, please share it with somebody you think it could help. Like, subscribe, hit that notification bell. And if you're an audio listener, please rate and review the, the show five stars. It really helps to get it out to more people and helps us to continue growing. I also want to mention that if you would like to use a copy of my cash flow spreadsheet, you can get it on my website if you go to andrew-hines.com. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 249 with James Fernandez. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got James Fernandez back on the show. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me back. It's uh, It's been a little while, but... It's round just, two, right? Uh, round two or three, maybe. Oh, yeah, you three. That's right. Yeah. You, the first time you were virtual, I think. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay, yeah. So uh, last time you were on, and uh, you know, not everybody's heard heard the previous one, so can you just give a little recap about you, what you do, sure. and what you're doing in real estate? Yeah, of course. Um, started off uh, just investing in multifamily real estate, uh, kind of expanded since then, especially as our climates have changed, pivoted the business into other things such as short-term rentals, uh, self-storage, um, vending machines, laundromats, vending machines, all like sorts that. of um, fun stuff like that. Um, Self-storage is my primary focus at the moment. And uh, US-based? US, I, I have some US-based self-storage, which is my now focus. Yeah. Um, but we also do have storage facilities in Canada as well. So that's my yeah, um, main focus. Yeah, cool. it's, it's fun. I, yeah. I really like it. And um, initially, uh, you know, you really got to focus on the one thing and make it make it big. But once you know how to build a system, mm -hmm. then you can build it for anything. So I feel like I'm doing less work than I ever was now. That's great. Um, well, we're going to have to talk about that. But before, <laughs> you know, like I started off in real estate by doing everything myself, everything. Renos yeah. all the way up well, to You haven't been doing it that long, right? Um, yeah, 2020 start. So. That's like insane. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it seems like everyone's going pretty fast. You're like a seasoned we have like, investor, third time on the show. Like you just kind of were, were getting started, I think, the first time you were on. Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, we have so much access to information, obviously, like through platforms like this. Yeah. That it's really easy to learn from other people's mistakes and then you can just accelerate your learning on that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for, you know, sharing whatever we yeah. can on that stuff. Cool, it's great. Man. So, 
chronology, like you didn't have a single rental property in 2020. What were you doing then? You were working on an engineering job, I think? Yeah, yeah, I was working full-time. Uh, I, was, I was working full-time until about 2021. Um, but I, that, you know, like for 15 years of my life, basically from 15, I'm 32 now, to about 30, that was my life. You know, I was gonna be an engineer, I was gonna retire as an engineer and die as an engineer. Um, but uh, real estate caught, you know, yeah. caught me. <laughs> Yeah, real estate's obviously, uh, well, I mean, the appeal of like the last few years, even, you know, 2018 and around then, mm -hmm. it's, it was a really a way you could make it with real estate. Yeah. Like you could do the Burr model, you could crush, you could, you could, you know, expand a portfolio very quickly. Yeah. Uh, that's obviously even, changed. The outlook's changed a bit now. Yeah. People are really, um, you know, I, I was talking to my business partner the other day and I said, as soon as someone tells me to invest in Bitcoin again, that's when I'm going to start selling my real estate portfolio off. Um, like some of the smaller stuff that yeah. I accumulate and are just people, focus on. Yeah, I haven't heard anyone mention Bitcoin that, in a while. That's, that's what I mean. Why <laughs> are they not mentioning it? What happened? <laughs> so as soon as I, I hear one of the Bitcoin bros um, come at me again, then I know, you know, the real estate market is probably coming up next. <laughs> yeah. People have just too much disposable income on that yeah. um, front for now. So Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. It's um, just pivoting uh, in the business to make sure that everything is taken care of. Um, I was one of the, I guess, kind of idiots back in the day that chose all my fixed interest rates, you know, against the advice of everyone. But I just didn't want to think about it. And, yeah. and now it's kind of helpful. Got a couple of years left on For sure. all those super low interest rate mortgages. So you got that, that big building on Adelaide, right? That yeah, that's a CMHC loan. Um, okay. That was a tricky one. And uh, there was a bit of a gamble there to try and lock in my interest rates, like a 4.4% interest rate on that mm -hmm. one, I think. Um, 4.5 maybe. Yeah. Good um, for how many years? Five? Uh, I did a five year on that one. Um, yeah. And the reason is because I didn't know what I wanted to do in five years. I was offered a 10 year um, at a 1.2 DSCR, debt service credit ratio, mm -hmm. but I ended up taking a five year at a 1.3. And um, mainly because on CMHC, as you probably are aware, if you break it, you pay the interest for the rest of the term. Yeah, well, so, that's uh, pretty much every commercial, commercial loan, loan in yeah. general. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I took the five just because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and where my life would lead. Um, that's kind of how this whole journey has been in general. So I tried to keep it uh, kind of as flexible as possible. So I wasn't left holding the bag on a break in a 10 year mortgage. Yeah, that's the trick, right? Because we just went through the same thing with our camp and you know, somehow <laughs> based on projected income, we got a RBC commercial mortgage mm -hmm. and they're like, well, what kind of term do you want? And I'm like, well, let's talk about how what it, what it looks like if we break it. Yeah, not that we're planning to, but I mean, the flexibility. You just need of, to know, oh, just to be able to do things. Hell like, yeah. what if we want to bring in partners and change the ownership structure? Mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe we change it into an LP instead of a corporation and stuff. And uh, it's like basically you can't break it. Like, it, it, I'm simplifying and I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but it was pretty much. Yeah, you're gonna pay the terms interest. Yeah, like, yeah. but you need to have that in your back pocket because yeah. you know, what if some crazy opportunity comes up and breaking is a drop in the bucket? Yeah, you know, but you, if you don't know, you don't know. So yeah, you got to have that. So we opted. Out. We opted for the two year, and I, I wasn't. You know, I'm not like expecting rates to come down drastically in the mm -hmm. next couple of years. Yeah, Although I think years. in two years, there's a good chance they've come down a bit yeah. because we should be well into a recession by then. Yeah, I think uh, um, that's kind of our assessment as well. We have a refinance on one of our self-storage facilities coming up right now. And uh, we've chosen a two-year fixed mm -hmm. um, just yeah. kind of ride out. 
and that's a 7.55% commercial loan. Yeah, we're right around the same, yeah. like 7.6. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know what, compared to what we were paying, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't uh, can't complain about that, you know. Um, it's funny when I, like, I, I hear, you know, friends and family that complain about the interest rates going up, um, but the whole time growing my portfolio, I was paying 15% to just get deals closed, you know, yeah. get them cleaned up and then refi back down at 2% or now at 8 but it's still... Still better. It's still better than 15. So, yeah. So, I mean, what deals work right now? Like in your, like in your recent activities, like what are you doing right now? Are you still acquiring? I, I am. Um, we're focusing aggressively on US based self storage. So, so, nothing in Canada? No. When's your last Canadian purchase? <laughs> 2021. 2021. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 2021? Yeah. So, everything. So when, when was your. Sorry, I, I, sorry, residential. On the self storage side, we did buy in 2022 okay. a few facilities. So, and where, do, where are those facilities? Uh, there's one near Ottawa, uh, like Cornwall area. And then yeah. um, I guess that's not near if you're up there, it's but near for, from for anyone here. from, yeah, <laughs> close yeah. enough. Um, and then uh, Perry Sound, we've got another one up there. Which is like on uh, Georgian Bay? Uh, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where Perry Sound Just like, like towards Sarasota. North right? Barry, a couple hours. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that type of thing. Um, kind of smaller, uh, not rural, but semi rural um, yeah. markets. Um, and you're doing all this with Nathan? Uh, the self storage stuff is with Nathan. Yeah. yeah so okay. we're, we're aggressively focusing on Texas and Florida for our self storage expansion. Oh, um, just like Nick. Are you, are you following? I, I know Nick really. Yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, we've yeah. chatted a few times. I was just talking to him about the E two stuff. So Nathan and I got our E two uh, fully sorted. Now we have um, it's already approved. Everything good to go. Yeah, so it's valid for five years. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. That was a journey. Um, holy crap, the amount of paperwork. But it you have was... to do the business plan. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. we uh like I don't have any affiliation with them or anything, but Viz America was who we used, and they were really easy to work with and everything is, like that. So. Is it a bigger company? I would say so. Um, mm -hmm. They, they have like we talked to a bunch of lawyers, and uh, some of them were just really snake oily. Like it was, it didn't feel. Oh, I did too. Yeah, Man, it yeah, didn't it, feel good. Great time to talk about this. Like we, so Jordan and I were down in Florida. Mm -hmm. We were like, okay, we need to stay down here. This was like 2021, yeah. in the middle of the lockdown. Yeah, so yeah. We're like we're not going back. I remember <laughs> seeing your videos. You got this pool in the background. It's this beautiful like, view. Leaving. Yeah, that was great. Uh, so anyways, we we interviewed probably four different lawyers mm -hmm. and yes, snake oil salesmen oh, sounded like all really these extra bad. charges. Yeah. It's going to cost you $30,000 each to do this. I'm like, and then we finally settled on a guy that was, uh, he's like, yeah, you'll be about 6,600 all in Yeah, for the two of you. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He would do the package of the two of us. For That's that. awesome. Yeah. We, we uh, gave him the deposit. Uh, and then just kind of put a pin in it because I found out that Jordan was pregnant. Yeah, fair. And we're just like, okay, well, we're probably not going to move away, you know, with during this. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we just I just haven't pursued Finalized. it yet, um, which it's, I can still. But uh, I I I feel like you know pretty confident with the direction that we would go if we were to. But I also don't feel a need to. What's yeah. your plan with the E two visa? And just so everybody knows, mm -hmm. E two allows you to basically stay in the states for you know past the six month max that you normally would have as a, as a tourist visa. So kind of, there's still an I-94 that you need, a, it's a form yeah. that you need to get and it's still like 180 day type of thing. So mm -hmm. you need to exit and enter. Um, in with that, the E-2? With the E-2, it's still the I-94, um, which is kind of an annoying in that sense, but it could be literally like a border crossing. So every six, 90, or sorry, every 100, how many, 180 days? 180 days, days yeah, roughly, yeah. yeah. So that's the, the I-94 form, I believe it is. So our, our 
lawyer gave us that form to basically have the, the customs people fill out. If we, so you just have to go out every yeah. every 180 days. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, not a not a big deal, uh, but it but is. You can valid. come right back in. And yeah, they yeah. won't say no. Exactly. Or, yeah. yeah, and it's what a happens if you don't five year. Um, I don't know actually. Yeah, because I I talked to the lawyer and he said you or something. he said he said no, you don't have that requirement. Yeah. I'll um I'll ask that question. What happens if I don't leave? What What are you gonna do? You know, because I have this yeah. visa now. Well, I can so. tell you like what I've heard from people who've stayed too long. I know a guy who stayed too long on a visitor visa and he got banned from going. Oh the Jesus! US. Yeah. So <laughs> that take that for suck. what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely the, the legal professionals are the people that are going to be answering these questions properly for you guys. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, maybe Google I-94 um, real quick at, at some yeah. point. And I'll, I have it on my phone from, from yeah. our lawyer uh, there. But So the big difference would be you have the ability to own. It's uh, just opening doors. Your, your uh, business. Yeah. You can get a social Employees. security number. We're actually going down to Buffalo um, in December. So to get our SSNs. So, okay. Um, like can you just mail in for that? No, you have to go for an interview. Like you get a social security. Like account. you can make the appointment and fill out the paperwork online and stuff, but you have yeah. to go in and they have to, you have to see like, here's my visa, here's my birth certificate or passport or whatever. Oh, and boy. like that type of thing. So we're just going to go Buffalo, hang out for the weekend. They really make you work. For your, <laughs> get our cards. Slave number. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. And like your we're slave already, identification. <laughs> yeah. Literally like we're, we're paying taxes anyway through our businesses and yeah. stuff. But now like this is a, a good way to get our personal credit and our personal identity you know kind of set up mm -hmm. in that sense because right now we are aliens or ghosts or whatever you know like we don't exist in that sense outside of the business in a so. way i'd feel good about that and i do yeah. <laughs> i actually don't want to be further into another system i'm kind of good with it fair uh, i like just like going across the border and you know being able to be there but of course this issue about having to leave and you know they're going to start asking questions right like if yeah. you're there for six months and then you and you don't have the e2 you just have your visitor visa i think mm -hmm. that's a b2 like what you get when you just cross the border. Yeah. Uh, if you if you leave after being down there for six months less a day and want to come back in, then they're going to say, uh, you were just here for six months. Good. They might let you back in, but probably say, nah, nah, you were just here for way too long. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah it's a risk. Um, I don't know. I think as investors, yeah. we take calculated risks. So people sure. are going to choose whatever they want to do yeah. there. In my ideal world, like, uh, like say traveling with my son was more feasible and all that. I would yeah. be in, you know, Florida for uh, potentially part of the fall, mm -hmm. but certainly the winter from like January right through the yeah. start of May. Yeah, right. that's fair. I, yeah, it wasn't really any set plan. Like we have a newborn coming up end of January yeah. or so as well. So there's no plans to move immediately mm -hmm. or anything like that, but it just has the option. Yeah, I, I wanted options. And like yeah. we were in Portugal a little while ago and looking at the, mm -hmm. what it looks like to get a visa there and stuff. And it's just money. It's not literally um, way easier to get. Yeah. A lot of countries is just money. If yeah. you just put some money down there, I think Costa Rica is like that. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure Mexico's like that. Uh, yeah. Several, yeah. several places. I don't know. I just wanted to, you know, Open some doors just mm -hmm. in case. Um, yeah, like, I mean, a, a positive for you is if you had a desire to live down there, go to a tax-free, a, a state that doesn't have state tax. Right. And then make that your tax home, yeah, uh, so to speak, and then not have Canada be your tax home. Because right. once they introduce this UBI, and I don't know how far that off, how far off that is, but I mean, once that happens, you can imagine the 54% top bracket will go up to like a 70% top bracket. Mm -hmm. And then everybody will leave and then it'll just kind of implode. Yeah. I I have um, 
worries about that mm -hmm. type of stuff in general. So it's great to have options for this reason. Yes. For me, I just, like you said, it's just money. Like got to get out. Okay. Let's put some money down here. Like, mm -hmm. I, and I'm going to keep growing in the U S so that it's just like, there's already assets there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, yeah. uh, we, we don't currently bring any of our U S dollars over the border. Mm -hmm. Um, you just keep it there. Just keep it there. Like we, we aren't, I guess, versed enough in the cross-border taxation and to draw an income properly. And because yeah. we already have income here and yeah. it's just, it's just too much for us right now. So we, from what I've heard, it's pretty simple. Like I have brought money back because I had borrowed money here yeah. uh, and I did send it back. Um, I haven't brought back any uh, of the money that I sent down for myself. Fair. So I'm, that's still down there. That's still play money down there, so to speak. Fair. Yeah. That, that's yeah. kind of how we think about it when because it is a when like we have prop like personal properties down there and stuff like that that money's just gonna mm -hmm. cover those things no problem so yeah um we'll, we'll see how it goes it's just opening the doors and making sure that you know if there's a shit hitting the fan we have yeah whatever options that we need to make sure that our families are taken care of and so are we so yeah that's a that's a great plan uh to just in my mind anyway to have like lots of different options you're building in different places i think it's so weird, but again, I'm ahead of the curve in a way. <laughs> I went down to the States. Now, investing in the U.S., I feel like more investors I talk to than not are looking at the U.S. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, in general, in my peer circle, when I ask people, are you buying? The answer is 50% no, let's just say. And then of the 50%, they answer yes, where are you buying? Like, I'd say it's almost always not Ontario. <laughs> Almost At always least. not Ontario. And then often in the US, I just had a meetup and one of the guys is like, oh yeah, I just bought a couple. And I think he said Louisiana. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very common answer. Yeah. He, you know, Erwin Zito, he was, you know, very local investor. I just, I bumped into him a, a about a month back and mm -hmm. he's like full on US and yeah. I see his posts. And, that, that's where know. we're at too. Yeah. It's just, it's just so like, for example, in London, um, Airbnb stuff. They're like, no more Airbnbs. Yeah. And then all the people that were providing these amazing short-term rentals were like, all right, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and you go to somewhere else and they're like, oh my God, yes, make this amazing place that, you know, people can stay yeah. at. And it's like, okay, why, why would I fight you? You yeah, don't exactly. want me here, You're I'll fighting. go, it's fine. But on the same, same uh, thought is that uh, when everybody else is looking elsewhere and nobody's paying attention to local investments, that's when like the crazy good deals can happen. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. When uh, no one's scraping like they used to, right? Like you think about it, you used to be competing with every wholesaler. People were getting four or five flyers a month mm -hmm. of wholesalers trying to buy their properties. And then uh, everyone and their dog wants to buy, you know, the interest rates were, were in the floor. Yeah. So, you know, everybody was just trying to go for these assets. Now you got people who are actually trying to put their houses for sale. And I sympathize with these people. I, I think it's a it's it's an unfortunate situation. Yeah. The pump and dump. Yeah. Uh, but now you're going to have people who have no mortgage, who just don't need their house anymore. They're yeah. moving into a retirement home they'd be willing to give you a long-term mortgage yep. an amortized heck you might even be able to do a 30-year mortgage with somebody at two percent mm -hmm. you can negotiate that when when not everybody's knocking down their door if you offer them hey we'll give you a full pop but you know you hook us up with a mortgage yeah that's fair win-win if you don't mind you know continuing to be a landlord in ontario which you're going to share some stories yeah <laughs> i um i i was i i've, I've been through uh, a decent amount of uh, evictions and whatever else in 2022 i did like 40 or something 40. um so i got a little burnt out and you know frustrated with the ltb who don't even follow their own rules um 
it it's extremely frustrating the uh the the pivot to self-storage actually came out of that frustration in general so and self-storage is like a brilliant asset for that uh, why don't before we get into the the horror stories uh tell tell why self-storage is so great yeah i mean um let's just say you know the economy's up uh as high as possible as it was march 2022 um People are buying stuff. People are storing stuff. They're getting rid of their old couch. They're buying a new couch. The old couch goes in storage. Mm -hmm. um, economy's down. Let's just say October 2023. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. People are downsizing, uh, but they don't want to get rid of their stuff. Yeah. Um, people are selling some things, but they'll sell that stuff later. Yeah. Um, there's business owners that have to get rid of some of their stuff or store it for the mm -hmm. winter or whatever. Yeah, they shut down their office, but they're not ready to sell all the equipment. Right. So they, Couches, they store it. Yeah. Office chairs, whatever. Desks. You know? Yeah. So there's always a, a customer, an avatar, regardless of what the market's doing, versus let's yeah. just say it's a um, $30 million mansion. Mm -hmm. you no. Know? Let's, the the customer or avatar for that person. Well, $30 million, you might still have the buyer, but the, the medium you know the two million dollar one might, yeah might be a problem fair yeah the um the i just made eight million dollars off crypto last night guys are not renting like they used to yeah um so in that sense there's mm -hmm. a lot more uh people that can just adjust to yeah. the market and, and you can fill units and it's so easy to a b test on different things with rent prices um how do you mean so as an example, uh, let's just say you have 10, 10 by 10 units and they're a hundred bucks a month and uh, that's how you got them. And you go in there and you say, all right, you five, your rent's going to go up to 120 mm -hmm. and everyone's like, okay, no problem, whatever. And then the other five, you, you say, all right, your rent's going to go up to 150 and half of them leave. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, so maybe it's somewhere between 120 and 150, that yeah. type of thing. So um, you just, so that's kind of a strategy. You just kind of increase their rents until... You notice too many leaving and then you pause it there. Right. So yeah. there's a, a new term that I had learned yeah. from residential stuff um, to the self-storage world was uh, economic occupancy versus physical occupancy. Mm -hmm. And typically in residential multifamily, we only think about physical occupancy. Um, there's two units vacant. So you have, you know, 98% mm -hmm. occupancy, let's just say on 100 units. But in the self-storage world, if those half those units are now making all the money that all 10 of those units were making your economic occupancy is still higher mm -hmm. even though your physical occupancy is low uh, okay. so a little bit of a difference there yeah. um, a new thing i had to learn and kind of a cool strategy so you're basically just saying like you're you're, you're optimizing rent right. overall rent doesn't matter if there are vacant units you're optimizing rent in, in fact if you are at 100 percent occupancy it's not good because yeah, that means you're pricing too low correct so, yeah. you so where do you want to be occupancy wise? <laughs> so we, we follow like a, a bunch of the, the kind of amazing guys in, in the space and, and women, of course. The 94% um, target, it seems to be 93, 94% target of physical occupancy seems to be where you want to hit. Nice. So you just raise, raise rents until you hit that target. So you can... How could you decipher from, you know, a, a 10, 10 unit test? if that that was where you were going to end up like how long does it take to really realize where the uh, the proper price is to achieve that but that that's the thing it, it honestly doesn't take any time because you have a, such a tight feedback loop like mm -hmm. for example in ontario you you file your form n1 and you raise your 2.5 percent mm -hmm. and then someone pays it for a few months maybe they don't pay and now they're not paying let's just say they're not paying mm -hmm. until you evict them 
in eight months is roughly what it takes to evict someone like that. So your physical occupancy is still 100%, but your economic occupancy on that unit is, is zero. Yeah, on that unit, yeah. Because they're not paying yeah. anything. But in the self-storage world, typically, you know, let's just say uh, you, you pull a strategy like us where we're raising rents in the winter. Um, no one wants to move in the winter. <laughs> so your feedback loop is going to close in the spring yeah. when everyone's moving out. Yeah. But uh, for a lot of people, if you if you push them too hard um, move to move, they, they'll, they'll move. Yeah. But for most people, 20 bucks is not a big deal. But it's when a big deal to you when you spread it across all the units. Times 100 units. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. that That's the kind of thing where, you know, rent increased, let's just say 5% or 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one wants to move for 20 bucks. But mm-hmm. for us across the portfolio of like, like three, 400 units, mm-hmm. the 20 bucks adds up very quickly on that yes. NOI at, uh, you know, 7% cap rate, let's just say. Hi, friends. I just wanted to take a moment away from the episode to tell you about my brand new structured coaching program. This is the first time I've ever offered a structured coaching program where we'll have regular meetings in addition to an intro call uh, to go through what your goals are and help you get on a plan to achieve those goals within real estate. So if you followed me for some time and you feel that I would be a fit for you to help you achieve your goals in real estate based on my skill set, based on the topics we cover on this show, I encourage you to head over to my website, andrew-hines.com forward slash coaching and fill out the questionnaire so that we can schedule a call and figure out if it's a fit for us to work together. Let's face it, most people could benefit from a second set of eyes and ears going over their strategies, different deals that they're looking at, and helping to springboard ideas back and forth. This is a program that's exactly for that. So if you're looking to build confidence in what you're doing in real estate investing and get very clear on what it is you're trying to accomplish, this might just be the program for you. Take a moment, fill out that questionnaire, and let's schedule a chat. Okay, so that's obviously, uh, it's a nice nice asset class in that you don't have landlord-tenant board to, mm-hmm. to deal with. You mentioned the eight-month the eight reality, and I know you've had worse than that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's just your average is eight months to get somebody out. You don't have that at all. Tell me about what happens if somebody doesn't pay their rent in Ontario specifically yeah. for a storage, storage sure store. yeah we've actually been through uh the bidding process and every like storage wars type of thing it's much milder um so you have to send uh like a, a proper letter um telling them what what is yeah. owed and everything like that mm-hmm. um after that uh according to whatever agreement you've signed with them mm-hmm. they have a certain amount of time to either rectify that payment and pay pay out the lien fee pay out the lockout fee pay out the late fee all these fees that are automatically added as per the and that's agreement. all part of the contract that's yeah. correct yep yeah so late fees for us are usually 20 bucks something like that so if we don't receive rent on the first the 20 bucks is automatically added to their account if that continues for a few months i can't remember exactly let's just call it three there's mm-hmm. a lien fee added um they're locked out uh, pretty much immediately as soon as they they're late um the uh process that we used in ontario was bid 13 um it's an auction site mm-hmm. pretty mild in the sense to, of, to auction off their stuff yeah <laughs> yeah as oh, soon wow. as um you follow you know the proper due diligence for notice yeah. and everything like that um that's how it goes and you take a video you put the anti-tamper tag on throw it on the auction site and um wait for bids to come in and so you have auctioned off we stuff. we have yeah <laughs> yeah oh um, wow and you get to keep that or you have to give it to the so so you auction off the stuff and basically yeah. how it works someone comes in and they say uh all right i bid 300 bucks on this thing like on on all the contents of the locker the whole thing okay so if you you're taking it you're taking everything yeah that's how it would yeah. work for them and um okay. 
at that point, the the possessions are no longer like they're yours at this mm -hmm. point. The, the possessions yeah. belong to you. So if you wanted, you know, the, the fishing rod or whatever it was, in there, it. <laughs> that that it's your stuff at this point. Yeah. So um, we use Bit Thirteen. I'm sure there's others. Um, maybe you know you could set up whatever yeah. it is. But um, yeah, you run through and uh, auction it. The guy comes in, cleans it out. Uh, they pay a deposit so that if it's not cleaned out, you keep their deposit as well. Oh, on the on the auction they pay on the, the auction. Yeah. yeah, so it's like another couple hundred bucks if they don't sweep out the unit, which is unreal. It was <laughs> like I have I've pictures and videos I can show you for probably three days long of how my tenants have left units. You know, fifty, sixty, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of damage in some cases. Like, yeah. it's it's insane that yeah. there's no repercussions in that sense. Yeah. Um, versus it's horrible. Versus you know I just made it you know, a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, on this auction it, site. It's obviously nonsensical. Um, like we're all playing this game, but I think most people could admit that's absurd. Although I I say most people, but I think I just think most people in the in types, the type I would talk to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the type I would associate with yeah. would know that that's not reasonable. No, it's that definitely it won't not work in the macro sense. If nobody, if there's no recourse, then no landlords will ever want to offer rental housing. Yeah, the the risk is high, right? And and to bear that risk, um, or to burden that risk, mm -hmm. we we put that on the good tenants, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So rent goes up in that sense because we yeah, need the to bad mitigate. tenants drive drive rent up for the good tenants, and and that's it's hazard pay exactly. Yeah. And that that that's actually the the yeah. crux of the issue is the only people getting punished by the LTB right now are good tenants and good landlords. Mm -hmm. The bad tenants are getting away with it. The bad landlords are getting away with it. There's, How are the bad landlords getting away with because it? Because it still takes a year for a tenant to file a maintenance claim or something like that, like yeah. a T2 or harassment claim. Of course, the tenant can just stop paying rent in the meantime. Of, of course. Yeah, right? I, I don't think any landlords are truly winning, but maybe some of them have an angle. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, certainly the bad tenants are winning. 100%. But you know, the same thing goes with crime and stuff and, and like uh, gun laws and all that. Like they only punish the responsible people. The, yes. the illegal gun owners don't care if the law is passed. <laughs> They're illegal gun owners. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in the yeah. name, right? So yeah. it's um it, it's interesting to see, you know, like I, yeah. I watched, um, I can't even remember the name. It was a movie where there's like no rules for when they purge. Yeah. Um, it, it's when they purge. No, it's called Purge the oh, okay. movie. Um, okay. But there's like no rules for like 24 hours oh, or something okay. like that. Yeah, yeah. I watched that recently and I was like, this is this is what we're living in right now. It's just milder mm -hmm. because no one's realized it. But I had a like a tenant breaking into or not a tenant, um, a person, transient. Let's call them uh, breaking into cars near mm -hmm. one of my tenants. Uh, uh, truck and, and a few other places and I called the police we have it on video mm -hmm. um, they said okay let us know if he comes back okay he came back and we rushed over there the tenants there he's got him like tied up the tenant that's got this guy tied up and I'm, I'm standing there I'm like pretty sure you can't tie him up but he's just sitting there quietly citizens arrest yeah <laughs> like we call the cops the cops come over and uh, I was like arrest this guy like we have it on video he's doing all this stuff that's illegal and the cops like no I can't can't arrest him like what? What do you? What do you mean? What are you gonna do? Just tell them not to do it again? What if I go to your cruiser right now and take your laptop, or like just rifle around in there? Don't don't even take anything. Would you arrest me? It's like, well, yeah, I'd get arrested, but not this guy. You know, like what was the law there? Like, why did he say that? Why couldn't he arrest him? You have proof. They're just not arresting these these transient oh, people. Yeah. So I think a lot of times it's because they can't. Um, identify them. I did yeah. speak with, I had a police officer on the show and I asked him what happens with that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, they have to fill out a John Doe mm -hmm. if they don't know who they are. And it's like a huge amount of paperwork. But that's the thing. It's not even yeah. the police officer's fault. Like I don't fault him for that. I've got mm -hmm. a lot of friends who are police officers and stuff. It's 
they're just kneecapped as well. Yeah. Like there's nowhere to even put that guy. Yeah. So yeah, he doesn't fit in their system, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a tough spot to be in for kind of everyone there, except except that guy who can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I know. This is a little tangent we went on, but uh, you know the absurdity of today. Like, and I think that's one of the things people like about this show is like there's a lot of very real discussions mm-hmm. about just the absurdity of society in general. And I do find it generally absurd to the point where I kind of just laugh laugh about it at this point. You you have to you, you have, have to, to enjoy right? it. Yeah, yeah. You have to smile and laugh yeah. anyway, like because yeah. I do. And and I went down some dark rabbit holes. And I I you know especially in the lockdown days because I was sounding the alarm from yeah. like day one. And I think anybody in this circles who was following me knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that got dark after a while. I'm like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. I'm just going to start talking about things I like. Yeah, whatever makes you happy again, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to you gotta stay positive the best you can. Some people's mindsets, they, they can handle, you know, talking about all the crap a lot. But for me, I have to balance it, so, yeah. which is why I do. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. on my Instagram, most of my posts that are about this bad stuff is in a very like kind of funny light. Yeah, yeah, just because, make a joke out of it, yeah. Yeah, like, you know, you find the the random sex toys or the random whatever yeah. and it's just it's it's at this point it's just hilarious to me i get excited to go see that stuff you see the craziness just whatever yeah. it is you know valentine's day coming up and all our airbnbs we have like a couple of spare bed frames on hand that type of thing just ready to oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. it's just it's just funny to me yeah. at this point more than anything else it doesn't like people ask you know that does it get you stressed out or whatever it's just no it, it's just more funny yeah. to me at this point and, and we're, we're going to dive into some numbers for, for the self-storage. But sure. before that, um, I, I did want to ask you, like, how, you said 40 evictions you've done so far? Uh, in 2022. In 2022? Yeah. Like, but off camera, you were telling me you've got lawyer's notices you're going to be sending out. Uh, you know, you've got people, like, how many people do you have non-paying right now that you're trying to get out? Mm, maybe 15. 15 non-paying right now. Yeah. And are most of those at your one building in London? No, they're kind of spread out. Spread out. Yeah. Which areas are they in? Uh, London, Chatham, Sarnia. Yeah, because you have a bunch of Chatham stuff. Yeah. You and Jeremy were working together on some stuff? Previously, yeah. Okay. And then you have Sarnia as well? Yes. So okay. Sarnia area, there's like Corona, which is just outside of Sarnia okay. as well. So. And how many units do you have in those different cities respectively? Mm. Ballpark. I'd say around 75 now. Across all three cities. Yeah. So to, out of 75 rental units, you got 15 non-paying. Yeah. Good Lord. Yeah. That's a I mean, huge percentage. It, it's part of the game, right? It is. <laughs> How did that happen? A lot of inherited. Yeah. Like I, I buy I buy the stuff uh, no one else wants to deal with uh, in the most case and, and turn it over. And that's that's just what I'm working on. So that's what you, that's what you get paid the big bucks for. Occasionally. Do you have any regrets? Because I know you acquired these all like 2021 and early. Yeah. Right? Um, my, my main regret is not learning how to play this game sooner in the sense of the, the landlord tenant board. Yeah. Because you hearings. probably learn so much. About That's the thing. That yeah. Like it's, like it's not scary once you go through it. Right? No. Uh, and a lot of it is so easy, but it's very intimidating to someone that's not. I actually, my one Instagram story post from today, I was at the courthouse right before I came mm-hmm. here, basically. And it was just like, learn how to do this. It's worth, you know, 200 grand. Every time you come to this building, it's mm-hmm. probably going to make you 200 grand. Um, in terms of like, for example, at, at my building in London, um, if, if a tenant's not paying and then I get someone in there paying market rent, that's mm-hmm. worth way more than 200 grand in terms of NOI and cap rate. Yeah. But if someone's paying, you know, 800 bucks here and there, and I file an N8, which is the persistently payment of rent. Mm-hmm. And now they're paying market rent. That's worth approximately $200,000 in value. Yeah. 
to market, right? So, so have you done that? Because I, I always knew of that form, never tried that, the consistent late payment. And I had some- That is my primary- Perfect candidate for that. Yep, N4 and N8 are my primary um, tools yeah. right now. Okay, so. so yeah, N4 is the obvious one yeah. when they don't pay. Late payment uh, rent. You initiate the N4. So the N8, when would you file that? Um, I do it after two. So two times late, you yeah. file it? Yep. Yeah. And what is what are the terms of it? How how is it worded? It it just it's very vague. Um, persistently late payment or rent. That there's no specific. Um, it has to be you know two in a row mm -hmm. or one two three and then they miss one and then one two three they miss one. That mm -hmm. it doesn't say any of that. Um, so I just after I just two after two I I file it mm -hmm. and then inevitably um, that fixes things for a little while because of the the fear I guess of eviction. Mm -hmm. But for some of the people that are going to be persistently late on rent. They're just going to be persistently it's not late. Change. So by the time the hearing comes around, you know, it was only two when I filed, but now it's se seven, maybe, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I show here's my ledger. So you'll show seven issues uh, and like no, N8s? it's just the one N eight. So you just do one N eight, yeah. and then you show the track record of all their the times they right. were late. An updated ledger that you'd file yeah. as evidence. So you never need to send it again. You just tell one time you notice them. That's right. And then, so they've done it eight times. And then you, when do you apply to go to, to go to a hearing? So I, on that second time, that's when I served the, that so N8. So the N8 to them and to the... Yeah, you file, it's called a, a an L2 application for, for oh, the... the L2? Okay. Yes. So that, I, I don't, I don't have um, any patience left in terms of that sense because the risk is just way too high. Like the, this one guy that owes, you know, $23,000 right now. Yeah. Um, you got to be quick on that stuff. You can't. I, I wasn't it, quick enough. Yeah. You know, I was kind of trying to be nice and. Yeah. And it adds up. Oh, so quick. So quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So systematically. So N8 and then at the exact same time, the L2. Yeah. You can file. So there's an online portal. You just take your N8 application. Yeah. You file out or like fill after out after you wait 14 days or something or not. That's even, for the N4. So you don't even have to wait the 14 right. days. You can just do it. Right. And yeah. then um, you, yeah. you take a certificate of service and mm -hmm. you take both and you. You file that with your <clears throat> your evidence, um, yeah. your ledger, let's just say. Yeah. Um, maybe screenshots of when the email payments came in or yeah. cash payments or whatever. So, but after two times, can you really expect the uh, the board to say, yeah, you can evict this person? No, probably not. Especially if they're caught But up. if it keeps coming in the meantime, like before your actual hearing, because it's going to take what, how many months? Eight months. So from yeah. that time, it's going to take eight months. Yeah. So then by the time that eight months rolls around, you show they've done it eight times. Yep. And, and it's worth 186 bucks to me to get for them to get that letter in the mail that says yeah. this is going to deal with an eviction, pay on time type mm -hmm. of thing. It's 186 dollars to file online, right? Okay. So for them to see that, for a lot of people, you know, it, it fixes that problem. Something? It fixes for at least for a while. For a while, but <laughs> then know? it's still in. You still got it on the record, and if I, it fixes it for four months, and then you have the hearing at eight months. Yeah. You still have four months, so then you'll show maybe a cumulative of six months right. where they paid late. Is that enough <clears throat> that they'll say, "Okay, you can evict this person"? Yeah. They don't say, "Well, you just give them one more chance." No, no. Like, they they might. So, yeah. um, kind of yeah. what I've done for the people that are persistently late but all caught up, the the landlord tenant board, even though they should, they will not evict someone that doesn't owe any rent, even though they're persistently paying late. Mm -hmm. They'll do what's called a section seventy eight, which is um, like kind of a conditional statement that says mm -hmm. all right from this period let's call it december 1st 2023 to december 1st 2024 if they pay late again within that 12-month period you can file an l4 application for an eviction and mm -hmm. that'll take probably another few months 
So and L four is how is that different? that that they've broken that agreement? They broke agreement. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's this fun. is it's complicated. All these farms. You know what I really liked the student rentals. You never, <laughs> you just don't deal with any of this yeah. stuff. Like you might they, have some damage on the walls, but they leave not and they even pay. That. Like yeah. I, it's just an absolute <clears throat> dream to manage student rentals. So yeah, I, fair. I mean. I self-managed. I had a team, but I had I self-managed. I thought it was just a... Nathan's on the same boat as you. Like, I've never yeah. done student rentals yeah. um, in that sense. Like, if I did student rentals, it was like master students. You know? fam families are where all the problems are, in my experience. The Fair. students are are a dream relatively to deal with. Doesn't mean you won't have some headaches. You yeah. will, especially if with inherited tenants. I've had I've had issues with that. And uh, But if I put them in, you build a relationship yeah. directly. They, you get along you get along well it works it works well so that's awesome anyways yeah just that's that's why i mean sometimes when i talk about these things i don't really have to i never really had to deal with these yeah, things that's except fair. on my stupid family rentals <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh the the inherited side like actually yeah. i've got a lot of messages on instagram like how do you consistently choose such bad tenants i'm like dude i didn't choose like come on give me a little bit of credit i didn't choose all these people yeah, so you're having better luck with the ones you put in yourself. Oh, 100 percent luck. Yeah. You know, it's not luck at that point, right? Yeah, it's the vetting process strategic. is strategic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, the vetting process is very thorough, especially gotcha. with uh, different tools that are on the market now, such as you know Front Lobby and all these other ones that Front uh, Lobby. That's the name. Mm -hmm. Kayla Android was talking yeah, about yeah. that. Is that her platform? No, no. Oh. Um, it, it's a separate business, but I think yeah. they're like working in conjunction. Yeah. Okay. So I, I use that. Um, and that's regularly. that'll search the uh, like Canly database for it, them it, as well. You can search Canly separately, yeah, can and Open Room is another one um, okay. that you can use. But Front Lobby is also really good for reporting non-paying tenants. Yeah, but that requires that everybody's in it, like that everybody's using. I mean, it. I mean to cr like Equifax or TransUnion. It's the same idea. Yeah. No, no, I get that. Yeah. But if a tenant, like, say I have a family rental and I'm not reporting to that, mm -hmm. no one's ever going to know that that tenant was my tenant. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would require, um, you know, people's solidarity and making yeah, sure this so person doesn't get away with it again. It's 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 progress. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the Canley thing is big. Like, It's slow, though. That's where yeah. Open Room kind of comes in to fill yeah. the gap. And open, open Room is... It's like Canly, but you can upload your own orders type of thing. Okay, yeah. So utilize these tools, obviously. Like the, this, is, this is the important stuff. It should be part of the like, process. Yeah. A guy like James has a lot of wisdom in this area. So, <laughs> uh, wisdom through my own mistakes or whatever. That's so, that's so valuable. But, you know, the other people don't need to make those mistakes. They can 100%. That, that's exactly the point that I was trying to make. Yeah. Like, why did I learn this so fast? Well, it's because... Andrew and this guy and, and this guy, again. like he screwed that up. He screwed that up. He screwed yeah. that up. And I wrote it down. Don't screw this up. Yeah. Oh man. The, <laughs> the systems I learned about student rentals from my buddy who just like, this is how you do this. Here's the email I use. I'm like, whoa, yeah. like this is, this is organized. Like the systems were solid. So I Amazing. just kind of took what he had and then kind of made it my own. And yeah. And, and I mean, <laughs> like the real estate yeah. community in general is so open about a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. that it's so easy to exp like exponentially expedite. Oh you're, yeah, you're yeah, it's never been easier to like be a landlord because the information shared, but it's also never been harder because the, the acquisition it's a lot more expensive. Arms race. Yeah, I mean it's it's just a different challenge. So yes, it's harder, but it's also easier. Yeah, so, you know, pick your poison. <laughs> uh, okay, so I wanted to go over like the storage, and sure. what that looks like. So what's the most recent one you bought in Canada? Um, yeah, let's go over our um, Perry Sound one. Okay, and what'd you buy that for? Uh, we bought it for. Around 600K. Not bad. It's called 700K. Okay, 700. Yep. And did you have to put some money into it? Yeah, we put about 150,000 in terms of um, renovations and 
we bought these flat pack containers, clearing, okay. land clearing, gravel, that type of thing. So like all in, you guys were eight fifty ish. Let's call it nine hundred. Nine hundred. Yeah. Okay, so okay, so you're you're in for nine hundred, mm -hmm. and what uh, like how many storage units is it? Uh, we actually started off there with twenty four units. Okay, and it's five acres of land. So you've been putting sea cans out or something? Yeah, well, sort of. They're, they're flat packs. So initially we were looking at sea cans, but um, mid-COVID and mid-whatever garbage was going really on. Really hard to get them. They yeah. they were not not only expensive, but also very expensive to transport. Mm -hmm. So transport at the time was like 700 bucks per mm -hmm. container for like a 40-footer that we could cut in half and make two 20-footers. Mm -hmm. um, but then we found another solution where there's these flat pack containers where they can stack them 10 high. So what is a flat pack? Container? They basically, it's like, like a box, a metal box, like okay. a cardboard box that you just made out of metal that you just open up and it's there in like 30 minutes. They can build them. Can I like, where do I find a flat pack container? Can I Google that? Yeah, sure. Um, we use storage tech, but if you just type in like flat P A K storage container, I'm sure that other options would come up, but. Oh, so it's corrugated <clears throat> walls. Yeah, it's pretty simple, like nothing crazy. Okay. Um, but the main thing there was we cut our shipping cost by an order of magnitude because, you know, we can get, let's just say, two containers up for 700 bucks or we can get 10. So 700 all in for these containers? No, sorry, that's the shipping only. Just the shipping, yeah. okay. So... Yeah, well, what's the, <clears throat> what's the actual container itself cost to buy? We were looking... So on this, on the Seacan uh, stuff, we were looking at used ones for like three grand, brand new ones for like four and a half. Mm -hmm. um, these ones came in roughly around four grand. Four grand to buy, okay. So, something like that. Um, shipping was easier. Okay. Shipping was, was way easier. Them. And then they're erected pretty quickly and everything like that. And our other mitigation on that was, okay, let's just say, you know, this are we tried and it fails and but this other facility is doing really well okay well we'll just deconstruct them and move them over there or yeah whatever you know it's just a risk oh, mitigation yeah. in that sense as well so um What's yeah we added we added a bunch of units um let's just say you know 60 units 70 units something like that yeah so i, I what i thought was amazing was that you had <clears throat> 70 units that you were able to add plus the 24 that you originally had what did the municipality say you could have or did they have any limitations um we called we asked our zoning was fine um they just basically didn't want too much road visibility. So was there a density restriction? Because I know there's like density with residential, like you, Not, you might get 50, 100 units per hectare or whatever it is. Yeah, no, we didn't really have too much issues. Like again, they want business up there. They want yeah. people to bring people. And what kind so. of zoning is it? I have to check, but it's like a rural commercial type of thing. Rural commercial yeah. that specifically allowed storage uh, facilities? Yeah, so it was already an existing storage facility, right? So yeah. we just built on that. Um, in general, like I haven't what? done any yeah. brand new development stuff. So, and you didn't have to do a site plan control for what you guys did. You didn't take out any, they're permits. not permanent, uh, structures. Yes, no, no yeah. This is the beautiful thing. And I say this about the camp and I don't think people could fully understand just how Flexible. much competitive advantage yeah. when you're in this game that we're all in, um, how much competitive advantage it is to have a zoning that can't be touched yeah. by a residential bylaw. For instance, the Airbnb residential bylaws, we had people up north try and apply that to us and we're like, um, guys, I think you're missing something. We're commercial here. We're down here in this little excluded area. Yeah. And we had we went back and forth four times and then I pretty much ended with, is there anything else I can help you with? Yep. And uh, that went away. 
Uh, but they were telling us to take our listings down. We're like, uh, yeah, guys, no, <laughs> no, that's not what's going to happen here. I love it. Um, so that was a little bit of a win and we were pretty, uh, pretty pumped about that. But you have a similar thing here. You mm -hmm. have a zoning that allowed you to do something that wasn't <clears throat> so on the surface visible, but is so much easier. Imagine wanting to add 70 units to a residential building you bought, how much money you'd spend, how yeah. long it would take. How long did it take you to, to do this? Four months. That's unreal. Yeah. Like that's amazing. So, so what, and what are you able to rent the original 24 out for? Um, those are slightly bigger units, like a 10 by 20 unit. Let's call it a dollar a square foot. So you're like one to one. That's what, that's what we purchased at. It was around a dollar a square foot. Okay. So you're 200 square foot units. 200 so you're bucks. 200 bucks each. Let's call it. So yeah. Okay. Um, our rents now are a dollar 50 a square foot though. Okay. So the, so that was more like original pricing. And right. what, what was your starting pricing on these 70, uh, um, we were discounting them initially, uh, but we've done a rent increase since. So, so, so what's the current market rent? A dollar fifty a square foot, roughly, so on all of it. Yeah. And those are ten by ten. Um, they're they're varying sizes just to appeal to a bunch of different markets. Um, okay. ten by twenty, let's just say. Ten by twenty on average. So yep. those are also like two hundred square feet. So mm -hmm. you're basically three hundred bucks a square foot on all of them. Three hundred bucks a unit. Yeah. Sorry, three hundred bucks a unit. I don't know why I said square foot. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so on the seventy you added. On a monthly basis, that's $21,000. Right. What was the investment on those additional units? Um, just let's call it, you know, let's call it five grand times 70 to keep it kind of easy. Okay. So it's, a, it's less, so, but yeah. Uh, yeah so $350,000 to get, like, I just want to calculate the immediate ROI on that. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're, you're close to like 70% ROI, 72%. Like that's the, that's the kind of numbers that get me going. The uh, it's it's almost identical to what you're doing with the camp, right? It's it's add, the add, same add, model. Add. It's the same model. It's just a different client. That's it. I like it a lot, though. Mm -hmm. um, you're getting getting the juices flowing. I mean, I'm guessing not every city would be so agreeable. I find the rural um, the rural municipalities are a lot more agreeable and flexible yeah. with. That kind of well, thing. they they want people there. They want people spending money. They want people mm -hmm. paying tax. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a really easy way to mitigate that risk, and it's mm -hmm. just call them, right? Yeah. Um, for example, our one in Illinois, it's uh, mm -hmm. in the small town. The mayor is also the auto shop owner, like the yeah. auto shop. It, there's no more than one. Yeah. So, hey, Mayor Jake, you know, can we can we yeah. add more units over here? What do you what do you plan to do with them? Oh, just storage. You know, same as same as Jerry was doing. Okay. And do you need anything else? Nope. All right. Have a good day. That's it. <laughs> so there's no zoning. There's no whatever. It's I talked to the mayor yeah. and he said, all right, don't that, piss off the neighbors. That reminded me of like conversations I used to have with St. Thomas like six years ago. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, yeah. We'd consider that. There was no straight answers, but oh yeah, we, we, we could get behind that. You pretty mm -hmm. much ask any question. Like <clears throat> they were just like open for business at the time. Yeah. You know, just like, well, yeah. What do you have an idea? Oh yeah, we can, we could try and work with you. But in that. general, like you want to add value to the community, right? Somehow. And for the most part, if you can show, I'm going to bring in this much money, I'm going to bring in this, mm -hmm. whatever, I'm going to spend money here, pay more taxes here. Most places are on board for that. It's just, yeah where i live in london it's it's not so <laughs> yeah yeah not so not so okay but uh, going back so you said it was it was not that much originally the reno you said like a 200 grand or sort of like improvements mm -hmm. so we just ran you know, 70 times uh yeah it's, grand. A, it's a like it's, would you it's say like 300 grand all let's in? call it 300 yeah okay, um so that, it's, it's less but so that puts that. you to let's see 300 so you're like basically a million all in on the building let's call it 
Okay, yeah. so then the total rent roll I'm seeing is, let's see, uh, and those prices are plus HST, correct? Yes, okay. so they'd pay HST after whatever that is, and it's like credit card billing, so very okay. convenient. Sure is. Who who does your credit card processing? Um, we use uh, Easy Self Storage as our general uh, platform for all the storage management. Oh, so it's a storage management software. Yeah. It's it's a uh, like off the shelf storage management shop cool. software that we okay. use. So, what are your taxes there? Do you know ballpark? Mm, I'm gonna say around eight grand. And insurance on the building? Oh, uh, we don't have insurance like that. So there is no like there there is insurance. fire insurance there. Let me let me clarify here. We don't have insurance on the same way that you would on a residential side. So no. um, the tenants have tenant content insurance um, mm -hmm. and we have insurance for metal, basically boxes. Yeah. So it's very, very affordable. I'm going to say it's under two grand a year. Okay. So you don't have any cinder block construction. It's all just metal boxes. That's correct. Yeah. So that, the entire facility was always just metal, metal boxes. Right. There's a concrete slab for the existing structure, but everything else is mm -hmm. on gravel. So, so are the is if I'm thinking about this like those roll up doors yep. and you, uh, the ones I'm used to always had the cinder block wall between. Them. It's a metal, metal. Now it's wall a for metal, us, yeah. so it's one of those corrugated it's way metal walls. cheaper, yeah. Very cool, and they just don't catch fire, so insurance is really cheap. Yeah, it, it would be a paint job, maybe some, it, yeah, <laughs> maybe clean some smoke up if anything. Yeah, is there any electrical wiring or anything no. like that? You don't even have electricity in these things. No. So there's no electricity. There's no heat. There's no water. There's no. <laughs> okay, so. Maintenance wise, I mean, what is there to do? Like the um, parking lot, the we, doors could break. Yeah, like there's a gate. You know, we do yeah. an annual maintenance on the gate. That's about 150 bucks. Okay. We um, maybe if there's a roof, like a gasket on the metal roof that yeah. needs replacing, causing a leak. So you're not five percent. You might no. be like uh, <laughs> what, like six grand in a year. Is too you're much. you're looking at a maximum 35 ex percent expense ratio maximum. And okay. um, we'll get we'll get to that. that. That's so, all in and management. Like you're, so, we, you're we do have a we do have some landscaping, of course, some snow removal, yeah, especially. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what's your software cost you? Uh, that one is probably our most expensive thing, and we're probably paying two hundred bucks a month on that. Two hundred a month, so yeah. that's still like one percent less. Uh, and then so nothing for electric. You don't even have it. Uh, we have a like it's like connection fee basically because we have cameras up there, but they barely okay. use anything. Okay, so that's it. The only like charge is electric. Fifth, four, let's call let's call it fifty a month on electricity. Yeah. Okay. So six hundred in a year. Yeah. I uh, have to just a miscellaneous charge. Of of, so you said your expense ratio is. Let's see. What am I getting? Yeah, I mean, my I'm seeing a much lower expense ratio. What am I missing? Like, what kind of expenses? We we got taxes. We got insurance. We got snow removal and and grass oh, cutting. Snow removal and grass. Okay, so snow and grass. What are you in for that? Let's call it four grand. Yeah. Okay. So I'm at $25,000 in total expenses, 7.5%. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can't go much higher than than that. What else do you want to add, you know? Okay. So what's what do you think the value of this place is? Uh we're hoping to refi it soon. We're trying to get our appraisal locked in at like 1.7. 1.7. We'll we'll see how how it falls. Um, is that really possible? Because I mean, I'm I'm seeing based on all of that that your your cap rate is 18. percent Does that make sense? I I would have to check my own numbers, but these we're just throwing stuff off the top of my head. Well, here. you've got monthly rent of about 28,000 yeah. across all of it. Is so that is that 96 units or 90 something units? Well, I'm, this is what I'm going to check. Yeah, 300 bucks on average per unit. Yeah. Uh, times 24 on the first, that's 7,200 7, right there. Yep. And then times 300 times 70, 
is 21,000. Add those two together, we got 28,000. Sounds right. So 28,000 a month times 12 months is yeah. $338,000 a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, your expenses are negligible. Silly. Yeah. You know, do you pay a superintendent or anybody to go it's around? It's an hourly guy. We pay him 25 bucks an hour. How many hours in the year does he do? He does four a month, maybe. So, a month. so like 40 hours a so year. So I could even, you know, boost the miscellaneous, uh, you know, five grand even if, you know, if we want to be real conservative. Yeah, throw it and in there. Including his... Maybe his... a garage door breaks or something. We yeah. haven't really had that. Well, I have for maintenance, I have 2%. So That's six, fine. 6,700 bucks a year. That's But I mean, if you wanted yeah. to allow for some life cycle stuff, we could go, you know, 4% if yeah. we wanted to be real conservative. So that, you know, brings your cap rate down to 17%. So let's just say hypothetically you got, you know, 70, well, you wouldn't get 75, you get 65% of your, your valuation, right? Yep. Probably uh, 65. Yeah. And then you'd be a 25 year amortization, most likely at yep. say 8% by yep. the time you do this, your debt coverage ratio is like 2.8. Mm -hmm. You're still cash flowing 16,000. Right. So like it, it ends up limiting, um, it's not in terms of like NOI or cap rate in terms of the value. It's how much um, debt you can afford in most cases for for this stuff right so but in when, this case, when you're you high cash for a lot right yeah like this this is, doesn't even make sense to me this is like <laughs> video game numbers like. <laughs> on 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 stuff like this so on the residential side you're typically capped because you're trying to squeeze every dollar out before you know you hit your 20 percent profit margin at mm -hmm. that 1.2 dscr yeah but in this you're limited by can you get enough customers can yeah. you fill your vacancies can you Offer a good like there product. is some active management, like who handles that finding, soliciting new customers, like the administration of signing them up. All so that. Nathan and I do all that right now. So yeah, because we need, we're still, we do need to build that in. Like yeah. there needs to be like a salary. A property, throw a 10% property management type of thing. Yeah, in there. yeah. So if we, if we pop management up to 10% to cover all that, yep. it's still, you're still a, almost a 16% cap rate. Yeah. The, yeah. the point of this exercise in general though is, is why we pivoted, right? Like there's. Mm -hmm. so much frustration on every other aspect of the residential world and, and at least for me that's where i was getting yeah. frustrated but why wouldn't you just do more of this in that's ontario what, yeah oh maybe yeah ontario okay like, sure she's to me like but it's could, so could much even cheaper it's this? even better in could florida you, or could Texas. you not still find that that deal like a perry sound or you bet yeah it's just yeah. even easier and even faster did you check with the municipality that you could add these units before you bought it? Yes. You called them up, said, hey, like if we wanted to add... <laughs> During our due diligence period, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And hey, perfect time to, to go do long due diligence periods right now because yeah. sellers are a lot more agreeable. <coughs> That's right. So there's... This is downright inspiring. I like this. I mean, it's the same model that you're doing. It's just our clientele aren't sleeping there. Well, and ideally, way, way less headaches and strings attached to it. Like what are your google reviews really gonna say like uh it was an appropriate we, we had facility. a guy we had a guy <laughs> that um he gave us a really like really bad review one star whatever and it's because he couldn't get into the facility he was locked out yeah. and um it turns out he, like he wasn't even locked out he forgot his code and couldn't get in yeah, yeah. so it was very easy to call and be like dude like yeah. you forgot your code man it's not our it's not even our fault and his review was like, oh, they're stealing my stuff. They locked me out. Yeah. What do you thing. take it but down? But he took it down. He took it down. Uh, I was just telling you off camera before we got an interesting one. You know, saying something that's not true. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it could be tough to get people to take something down. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, it is worth it, though, <laughs> in, in the it. end. So we don't have a ton of time left. I got to go trick-or-treating with my son. <laughs> um, but uh, what would you say you're most excited about? Uh, the U.S. expansion. 
as yeah. um, my primary like focus and joy right now in general. It's uh, that's what I'm most excited about in, in the business side. I, I've got yeah. a child coming in January. Oh, yeah, for so sure. That's my, that's one of the reasons why, like I was selling off a few of my smaller properties yeah. and just buying my time back essentially. So Love it. yeah, that's, awesome. uh, that's kind of driving almost everything I'm doing right now is making sure that I can yeah. be there for this child. So, and what, uh, yeah, of course, and then congratulations about that. That's Thanks, amazing. Dude, yeah. Um, so what would you say as far as the U.S. Uh, goes, like is the main direction? Is it storage? Storage, that's, that's yes. it. Primary. And are you doing new development or are you just uh, not yet. That like existing? Nick, Nick Van Dyke is one of the guys that I see doing new, a lot of new development stuff and mm -hmm. chat with him every here and there. Um, yeah. But uh, for me right now um, and mine and Nathan's kind of vision is take something shitty, make it nice. Well, um, if you can do what you're doing here, like. Because it's already kind of semi-proven we can just expand on that it the the risk is mitigated in a lot of ways I love so it, that's yeah. um maybe one day on the development side you know i but why do it if you don't need to don't it's just so yeah. so much easier and faster if you just yeah. take it make it nice take it make yeah, it nice again for sure and again so for sure all right james uh it's always a pleasure where do people find you uh learn more yeah instagram's the best way uh just add james.ferns f-e-r-n-z cool it'll be uh, in the show notes and uh, until we meet again, man, this is really great. I always Likewise. have a great chat with you. So uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to doing more of them. Sounds good. Okay, Talk soon. Man. Here's how infinite banking works in under 60 seconds. You have to save your money somewhere. Well, we think the best place to save it is inside a cash value life insurance policy. You save some money in there, it grows tax-free for the rest of your life. Then an opportunity or emergency comes, comes along. Let's say a few years down the road, you can buy a business, buy a property, buy an income-producing asset. You leverage the infinite banking policy, borrow against your asset, take advantage of the opportunity. But your money still stays in the infinite banking policy. You're not borrowing your money, you're borrowing the insurance company's money. So your money's in the policy, it's in the opportunity, and it's providing a death benefit. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You get to retirement, you have this massive cash value, life insurance, leverage that tax-free, and you don't repay those loans. You sit on the beach and you spend that money tax-free every month doesn't show up on a tax return, and you leave your family a huge tax-free death benefit.